I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be here sharing with you lessons I've learned, conversations I've had that will equip you to create new habits, challenge mindsets, and build relationships that will allow your family to thrive. Holding on to the past can hinder personal growth and development and hurt the people closest to us. But if we are willing to examine the experiences that have made us who we are today, we can learn from past experiences, move forward, and create a thriving culture in our family. This week's guest is licensed therapist Jason Van Ruler, and in his new book, Get Past Your Past, he helps readers establish a mindset of emotional health and resilience. He uses psychology, biblical wisdom, and clinical experience to guide readers to find connection and healing. In my conversation with him today, we talk about the importance of embracing the past and brokenness so that you can move forward. The part that self-compassion and self-acceptance plays in the process, and how community can help make or break our personal growth. I just love how Jason brings light and levity and encouragement to those of us who want to do things differently, but are not sure if we can break away from the way it's always been. Welcome, Jason. It's incredible to have you on the podcast today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about it. So a question we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? Yeah, I think we are known as kind of the family that that hosts people. My wife is a fantastic chef and just really one of those people that is really good at making people feel comfortable. And so mm-hmm. I think when, you know, there's a family get together or something and everyone's in the same city, everyone just kind of ends up at our place because they know like, yeah, they, they're they going to take good care of us. We're going to eat good food. It's going to be a good time. And and that's just something even uh, my wife and I, my kids, like we actually love to host. So, mm-hmm. so I think that's kind of what we're known for. Mm-hmm. I love that. I can, can completely identify with that. That's something that um, we love to do. You know, recently my husband and I, we went on like a day date to a local mm. zoo and it was in a park and there were like all these people getting together at these picnic tables. And it, I flashed back to my childhood where that's what we did because growing up, there was no one I knew that had a home enough, big enough to a home big enough to have like other families come around the table, you know? And so I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot. We were just at Sunday after church, like you know, five or 10 families would just meet at the park and we'd bring picnic lunches and we'd set up around mm-hmm. those tables and we'd play out in the yard. And so we've been able to sort of transition from that to hosting people in our home. And so I love it no matter where I'm hosting. I love to be a part of a big group connecting, you know, investing in relationships. And so I love that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm a bit introverted, so I can be extroverted sometimes. So I think for me, initially it was kind of like, well, how's this going to work to host and and to be those people? Uh, but it is just so life-giving and energizing that that even though I'm a bit introvert, I'm like, I, I do really like having people yeah. around. Yeah. And I found with my kids, like in different seasons, they've had different roles to play in it. So when they were a little bit younger and we'd host connect groups, we'd be like, okay, you're in charge of hanging up everybody's coats. That didn't mean that they had to be like in the mix, but at least they were a part of what was happening. And so then they could retreat when it was time for them to retreat. But like, this cold, we've created this culture of just welcoming people and being available for people. And I think that you can do that as an introvert or an extrovert for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and for the record, that is usually my job is hanging up the coats. That that's the thing <laughs> that I'm trusted with. So not nothing else. <laughs> clean up, maybe. <laughs> maybe clean up. Yeah. Okay. I, I love to do the dishes. I really do. And and all that good stuff. So I'm usually running the logistics behind the scenes. Perfect. That's yeah. great. Okay. So I want to hear uh, a little bit about your journey from that that led you to become a licensed therapist and the author of Get Past Your Past. So tell us yeah, a little well, bit about your background. Yeah, it's been a long one. I mean, I think I think for me, you know, it's it's so fascinating because and, and this maybe means I was always supposed to be a therapist, but I literally have journaled since I was like eight. And mm-hmm. so I have gone back in my journals and seen that I I literally identified what I wanted to do was to do what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I, you know, I had said I wanna I wanna be a psychologist. I'm a I'm a therapist, not a psychologist, but I'm in the same ballpark. Mm-hmm. I said, I want to live in a city. I want to write a book and I want to help people. And so I've always, my whole life been kind of clear on where I wanted to go. I guess what happened is I wasn't, I wasn't really aware that there was going to be such a middle part. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just kind of thought at, at age eight, you declared it. And then probably at 18, <laughs> that's how that worked. And, and that would have been great. I, I would have been all for it. But um, shortly after, you know, making my declaration for who I was going to be, my parents divorced. And, and so they divorced in a way that was not amicable. They were not friends after it really was chaotic. And so that really launched what had been kind of a stable home life for me into a place of chaos. And so for the rest of childhood, had a lot of just volatility and chaos and trauma and abuse and just all those things you would never want Mm. to experience. And so I think like a lot of people that go through that, what I said is, well, I'm just never going to be that way. Right. Mm. So here's what I'm going to do. I'll do the opposite of what I learned. But the challenge is, is so hard, but the opposite of one extreme is another. Mm-hmm. And and so I think I yeah. just didn't really understand that. And I didn't really understand even how to do it again. Right. So again, it's this high level declaration, but not sure on the details. And so I'll, I'll spare you all the details. But the, the challenge was I, I entered adulthood and basically became the same person I was trying to run from right. and did all the things that I was trying to get away from. And so I had this realization of, hey, like you can run your whole life from this and this is how it'll be Mm. or you can face it. And so facing it led me to ask some questions, which led me to ask more questions, which led me to finally realize my goal of becoming a therapist. But I tell people that that was always a little bit selfish in the sense that I did it for me first. My my first reason for doing it was to try to figure out how to be different. Mm hmm. And that's good. I know that sometimes we don't want to talk about the hard and the struggle that helps us to step into our calling, but that is where, right, the sauce is made. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that is that is the the working and the growth that allows us to excel in what we do for sure. Yeah. And I, I feel like, and I, I tell clients this, you know, the, the best way to make change stick is to teach other people what you did. Yeah. Right. And so if you're really committed to that sustainable change and growth, then then giving back to others is is a good way to mm-hmm. do that because it is a reminder to me when I work with people where I came from and where I want to go. Yeah. I mean, even if you haven't experienced what somebody else has experienced, when you you can walk them through the principles if you've applied those same principles to your life. Is that true? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So I know a lot of people that just want to leave the past in the past. 
you know, and I know that you emphasize this idea of embracing the past and our brokenness to move forward. So let's dive a little bit deeper into that. For me specifically, I'd love to know, because I, I know it is important. So I want to talk about that, why it's important, but like, what's the line between examining the past and then moving forward? Because that's, how do we know when too much is enough and what are the steps we can take so that we're not, because I think people don't, look at their past because they're afraid they're going to get stuck. They're afraid of what they're going to uncover. They're afraid that they're, it's going to say something about them. So yeah, let's, let's dive into that. Well, that is a tough question. I think, you know, if you just look for your past, look at your past for like the next 10 years, that's usually what I suggest. It's a 10 year process. I'm, (laughs) I'm being very sarcastic with you forever. I I need, I need clients for a lifetime. So if you just come in (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I think that is the fear, right? Because some of this stuff we, we've left behind for good reason. Mm-hmm. It's because it hurt or it didn't end the way we wanted it to, or we have feelings about that we don't know what to do with. And so I think when I talk to people, that that's always kind of the wrestling match is, yeah, it probably is good to do that. Mm-hmm. And yet how much? And mm-hmm. and when do I know I'm done? And, and what is the point again? You know, right. it's kind of like uh, if I say, hey, tell me about the worst day of your life. How does that help me again, Jason? Mm-hmm. And and so I think yes to all of those things. I, I think really the goal is, is to identify those times in our past that were most impactful mm-hmm. and they're not all most impactful. So, so what are probably the three to five times that really did make an impact in the sense that either they changed things for us or they changed the way we see ourselves or they changed mm-hmm. the way we see other people. Mm-hmm. Okay. When we get those three to five, those are the places I think people look at. Now you can always look at more and you can you can you know dive in deeper and certainly some people need to. Mm-hmm. But the gist of it is if you can look at those three to five and just say, what were those about and what message did I take away from those? And mm-hmm. how is that showing up today? In many ways, you've done the work you need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. What message can you take away from that? Because, you know, especially when you're in relationship or in a marriage relationship and you're dealing with somebody who's very defensive about their past, it's hard to move forward. And Mm -hmm. I guess that there's this fear of being disappointed with yourself or frustrated with yourself, or, I mean, I don't know what it is, but it's this, if that, that's that key question of what can I take away from that? What did I learn or what did I believe to be true? And is that true? And how, how can that change my future? but it's such a sensitive and vulnerable thing. So what what was the catalyst for you to say this work was worth doing? Just wanting to improve and be a better person or how did you get to the point where you're like, there's no other way to do this? Yeah, well, because I think if we don't look at that, what happens is that some of those messages we take are, are literally not true or are mm-hmm. also outdated mm-hmm. and we use those to make decisions presently. And so what I noticed is that even though I was maybe running away from these things and time had passed, I still kind of made decisions based on those truths. And so if those truths were untrue or outdated, the challenge was I was actually just recreating my old life, Mm. maybe a little bit more slowly, maybe subconsciously, but I was still actually going back there. And so when I work with clients and they feel like they're often stuck or they're caught up in these patterns where they're like, and I just keep doing this thing. And I know logically it doesn't make any sense, but I keep doing it. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's usually because of that. Because what we our brain does and how we kind of work is that our, our brain wants to have some ways to measure things and make decisions from. 
And so if we internalize kind of something to make a decision about and it's wrong, all the other measurements are wrong. Mm. And and so it pays to go back and say, is what's making the decisions accurate? Mm. That's good. And you use the expression outdated, which I like, which kind of leads us to the next question of there are things about ourselves that we cannot change. But you stress the importance of self-compassion and self-acceptance and overcoming that brokenness. So when we believe things that aren't true anymore, how do we move forward? How do we have grace for ourselves? How do we transition from, yeah, this wasn't, this isn't who I want to be anymore. And this is who I was, but I've got to let that go. Yeah. I I think just the realization um, of how we were in the past and having feelings about that indicates growth. You know, mm. if, if we look back on that former self or we look back on that thing we said or did and we and we cringe or we feel, you know, regret, that only speaks to the fact that we've grown from that place. Otherwise, we wouldn't notice. You know, mm, I, it, I talk to a lot of people. Where I'm like, well, what do you think about when you did that thing? And they're like, well, I don't know. I think it was fine. OK, probably haven't grown from that. So so I think instead of looking at it as a bad thing, it's actually symbolic of the growth you've done. Mm-hmm. And and so my hope is that I look back in, you know, five years, 10 years, and I cringe about some of the things I said today, because mm-hmm. that'll mean I've grown. Now, is that uncomfortable? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Do I like that? Not really, right? But the alternative is that I have to maintain the same. Mm-hmm. And maintaining the same is a lot of work too. And mm-hmm. so if I had to pick between trying to maintain the same and resist growth or in, encourage growth, I think I pick growth. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That's such a good way to look at it. Cause I, I do, I look back in the past and I see things that I've said or done or just who I was and I do cringe, but I think you're right about the, we should, if we could just flip our perspective, we would see, Ooh, this is a good thing. Right. Yeah. And, and really what's awesome about explore. social media is you get a, you get to even have evidence <laughs> of those moments. You know, when, when I first started Instagram, I did this weird double wave thing, right? Uh-huh. Where I was like, hello, and I would double <laughs> wave. And and I can't believe I'm talking about it now with you. But I look back at those videos and I just start to sweat. And I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? Right. And I'm like, hey, man, you were just the guy trying something new. Right. And that's what it looked like. And so on a very small scale, I think that's just how we go through our life if we're trying to grow and change is that we're going to have those things we look back at. We're just like, oh, man, I don't know what I was thinking, but I'm so glad I don't think that way anymore. Right. So what do you think? Should we be keeping those reminders around or we should should we just eliminate them, delete them? <laughs> That's a great question. I should delete them, especially now that I told you about it. And they're still up there. Uh, we're going to go I, look I, for I, them now. I'll, I'll share the link to that in the show <laughs> <Yes>. notes. <laughs> I will be deleting those today. I think it's okay to remember where we came from. I, I think I wouldn't get too attached to that and I would hold mm-hmm. that loosely, but it but it is okay to to do that. And you know, a thing that I have struggled with and I see a lot of other people struggle with is just even savoring that you've grown. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just like they want to grow and so they just grow and grow and grow. And they never really stop and just say, look how far I've come. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. now I'm only waving with one hand. I used to wave <laughs> with two hands and now I'm down to one. And maybe in a year I won't even wave at all. So mm-hmm. so look at the progress. But like yeah. you can you can spend some time enjoying that you you've done some changing. Yeah. So this is kind of a slightly different direction, but what does community have what kind of role does community have to play in getting past our past? I mean, like you're talking about, you know, the evidence of who we used to be and 
I have one or two friends that they knew me when. Like mm. there's a comfort, there's a weirdness sometimes because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know that I was like that. But at the same time, there's a comfort knowing that they've seen the growth. So so what is community? What part does that play in getting past our past? So much. It plays such a big role because even like kind of you were talking about, some friends, they they know who we were and they encourage who we are. And mm. they encourage who we're becoming. And so that that's an awesome community to have. Or, or the people who are like, yep, you used to do that. Oof, I don't know about that. But I, I'm so glad about where you're at today. Mm-hmm. Where, where community can work against us is if those people maintain those messages for you. Mm. Right? So you say, man, I believe for the longest time I just wasn't worthy and I didn't have any potential. And I'm starting to kind of doubt that. And they say, no, actually, remember, you don't. Mm. That's where we get in trouble. And so sometimes people miss that they're actually in a system or community that is just reinforcing those old broken messages. Right. And and so if we're there, the challenge is then not only do we have to get past those on our own, but we also have to now build a new community. And that can be really hard to do. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think it, it's it's so important who we surround ourselves with. I mean, I know for me, this is kind of similar example. Like I'll switch hairdressers if I feel like they won't give me a fresh new cut because they're so busy. Remember, like they've known me for so long that they will not depart from the haircut I've been getting for the last five years. You know what I mean? I know that sounds like silly. No, I'm just smiling because I'm I'm the same way. Yeah. And I have a lot less hair, but but I'm with you. They just, <laughs> they know you a certain way. And yes. so they're going to do what they're going to do. And you can say something different, right? You can right. say, well, I think I want to do this. And they just go, yep, but I know who you are. So I'm right. going to do it the way I'm going to do it. And that right. that's just such a beautiful example because it is that, but only with things that are really even important to us. I mean, yeah. hair is one thing, but if that's about our value or they have a belief about your marriage, mm-hmm. that gets really painful and hard to deal with if you're trying to change. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. All right. So after we've pa- faced our past, what are some principles that can help us find healing and authentic connection moving forward? Yeah, I, I think we need to lean into vulnerability and honesty and authenticity so that people can really know who we are. You know, that's that's the challenge is that and in goodness, I know right now it's probably harder than ever to be authentic and and really who we are because everyone's kind of self-promoting all the time. But mm. the challenge is, is connection is really made difficult if people don't know who they're connecting with. Mm-hmm. And and so to expedite getting to the right place, you got to be honest. Mm. And and that's part of that acceptance piece is, you know, some of those honest truths might be things that you wish were different, you know? that that's probably part of the deal. I, I know for me, I played, you know, soccer really my whole life and, and now I'm in my forties. And so there was an honest truth somewhere along the line that I'm not 20 anymore. And, and that trying to play on the 20 year old team is not the best idea I've ever had. Right. And, and so do I like accepting that? Not really. Is it true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I play in an old person league and we have walkers and <laughs> It's really great. No, it's not that bad. But but now I play with people who get it. Yeah. And it's better. And and we don't have to pretend. And and so being honest allows us to do that on right. the things that really matter. Right. I was gonna say, isn't it nice to still hang out with the people that thought you that think of you as that rock star? <laughs> From years it's ago. It's not though. the 20 year olds. It's not <laughs> no, the 20 year olds. No. I'll tell you that. They're like that old guy, he is slow. And I'm like, I think I'm amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. so some of that is just how do we pick a community 
where we are who we really are and they accept us for that person. Yeah. I think one of the things you said that's key stood out for me is expediting the process by being vulnerable. I mean, a lot of us, and I'm right there, I've dragged on the process because I'm not willing to be honest and vulnerable. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to admit the truth. And I don't want to, I don't want to stay stuck. And I certainly don't want to prolong a process that could lead to growth and healing for sure. And so I like that you've talked, you mentioned that. Yeah. I think, I think the, the other side of that is how we typically do it. I know I've done it this way where we, we pretend, right. Mm-hmm. And, and we pretend and pretend and pretend. And then one day we're like, Hey, I got to tell you guys something. I actually mm. am this. And and it's always funny to me because the people who love us well anyway, they're like, we you never, that. yeah, we, okay. <laughs> and what else? You know, they're, they're just like, oh, okay. And then, and then the other people who would have never accepted us for who we are anyway, they just fall off. Mm. And then we yeah. go, oh man, I spent like a long time on a relationship that just fell off. Mm-hmm. And so what if we just led with those relationships where they're like, oh yeah, this is Jason. He's too old for the 20 year old team. He, you know, he does this, he's got a dry sense of humor. And we just actually, we love that guy anyway. Mm-hmm. How much farther do we get? Yeah. A lot farther. Yeah. All right. So besides choosing wisely who we invest our time with and create community with, what are some of the practices to maintain the mindset of emotional health and resilience? Yeah. I mean, I, I think just to pursue wisdom and and I think to address where we're struggling. So a lot of times what happens is that I'll, I'll work with someone and they'll just be like, nothing's working. I need to change everything. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let me know when you're done with that. Right. And so it's like, okay, well, I'll just change everything tomorrow. And and so, you know, what I would just want to say is that just start small and and start with one thing at a time. And, and maybe you do want to change everything, but but start with one thing at a time. And pursue knowledge there and and view it as a process and see yourself as a student. Mm. And so I look at this whole thing, writing a book, doing all this stuff, doing these pockets, like I'm just a student of how to do this well. Mm-hmm. And and I am not there yet. And yeah. that's okay because I'm farther than I was when I started. And so mm-hmm. I think some resilience is just to change what we expect of ourselves and how we see ourselves in the process. Mm, that's good. All right. So let's talk about forgiveness because I know for a fact that you cannot face your past and go through this process without it. So talk, let's talk about that, the role that it plays and the importance of it. And what does it look like when we're dealing with our past? Yeah. Forgiveness is just optional. No one really needs it. Forgiveness. <laughs> I, I'm kidding you. Forgiveness is the that thing. That would be um, nice. Yes. However, that would be not so true. nice. <laughs> well, people struggle on both sides. They struggle to forgive others. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. But they also, I have this annoying habit of asking my clients, hey, have you forgiven yourself for that? Mm. And and they're always like, Jason. <laughs> like, hey, you knew I was going to ask you. <laughs> I've asked you before. But but that's the other part is that it is hard to move forward if we're holding on to something behind us. Mm-hmm. And so we have to let go of that. Mm-hmm. And And sometimes I think we feel like forgiving ourselves or others is this, you know, this thing where we just say it and it's done. But the truth is a lot of times that's a hundred times over. Mm-hmm. And we have to just kind of keep making that decision. And, and so getting past our past and doing that forgiveness is it, it's not just a one-time deal. It's like brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. You do that every day. Mm-hmm. And 
some days, man, I don't really want to brush my teeth. And other days I don't really care. And other days I I do it and I don't even think about it. So, so the thing is, is like, if we do that daily, it gets much easier. Then can you imagine if you just didn't brush your teeth for a month? Yeah. How do that's actually kind of gross? I don't even want to think about yeah. that. But but if you didn't, just imagine what it'd be like to start that. And so I think forgiveness is like that in the sense that it is a daily process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and and a weird part of this analogy is that if you don't do it at all, your teeth are gonna fall out. Like yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there which are is some not good. Long-term detrimental choices. Yeah. I mean, I know people that have false teeth. Like they're real. They're not just what we see in comic books, you know what I mean? Right. Cartoons. Right. And I and it and it haunts us. And and mm-hmm. so I I think that's the thing is if I'm unwilling to forgive myself or someone else, why is that and how does it serve me? So mm-hmm. those are often questions I'll just ask. Is like, can can you can you justify that? And then can you tell me how that serves you? Mm, and and we usually struggle with one or both of those questions. Mm-hmm. And and then I'll say, you know, if you were able to forgive yourself or this person, would your life improve or get worse? Oh, that's good. Yeah, because you know, I don't know if I've ever heard "get worse." Right. Yeah, because there's so much freedom on the other side of forgiveness. It just takes a little bit of work to get there. It does. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to wrap up with one last question. What is the yeah. one thing our listeners can do today to start their journey in getting past their past? Yeah, I think just be honest with yourself about where you're where you're struggling and and know that that could be huge, right? You might say, "Oh, I think my marriage is ending." Or it could be, "I man, I'm just not very productive or I'm not very happy lately." Or so it, it could be anywhere on that spectrum, but just look at, "Okay, what's working really well for me?" And then if I if I had to pick, and maybe it's really obvious, maybe you have to look at it a bit, but if I had to pick a place I was struggling, what is the honest truth about that? Mm. Not the truth I tell other people or I tell myself to make myself feel okay about it, but what what's the actual truth? Right. And then how do I start to work through that? So an example I might give is you might say, a lot of people say, well, you know, my weight, I'm I'm at a weight that I don't want to be at. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what is the honest truth about that? My diet is out of control. Mm-hmm. I don't, I do not eat very well and I, mm-hmm. and I know it. Okay. Then let's be honest about that. Yeah. Okay. So what, what do we need to do to change that? Take one step and do it t- today. What is the mm-hmm. step you take today? Well, today, well, this sounds gross, but I could eat broccoli. <laughs> that would be, instead of eating a candy bar, I could eat, I could eat a piece of broccoli, which I'm, I'm already like, oh, it's a terrible example. Cause I'm not eating <laughs> broccoli, but, but I could do that today. And then I could see if that helps me feel better. Mm-hmm. And then what do I do tomorrow? So I think I would just tell people, don't get overwhelmed. Don't make it too big. Just make it, what is the first step I can take today that would improve how I'm doing today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I I know your book's going to be helpful to many, many people. And so I appreciate you talking about it with us. Yeah, this was a fantastic time. And I appreciate all your great questions and examples and, and rolling with the, the the toothbrushing thing. You, that was, that was very kind. Wait, what is so that? Does you. it have anything to do with flossing? Or <laughs> yeah, by the way, did I say I'm also a dentist? <laughs> and so my next book is about tooth care. No, I'm just oh, kidding God. you. But, oh, but, but I love it. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's good. It's these examples that solidify these things in my mind. And then, I, you know, I think they give some levity to it, which I think we can overthink these things, you know? Yeah. Just being honest yeah. and just 
going for it. Yeah. And it's like you're okay from the start. So so mm-hmm. then we we get some creativity and we have a little room to laugh mm-hmm. because we're just starting from we're okay and we're just going to do some things to be better. Yeah, that's good. It's yeah. a good perspective. All right, thank you, Ian. Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate it. You can find Jason at jasonvr.com. He's also on Instagram as jason.vanruler and he's on YouTube as Jason VR Counselor. I'll link to all of that plus where you can find his book in the show notes. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, I'd like to ask a favor. Can you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? Besides sharing this podcast with your friends, leaving a review is one of the most effective ways that you can support us and help get the word out about the incredible resources we have to offer. I'm passionate about helping families thrive and your reviews help families find us. And remember, family culture isn't about perfect, it's about purpose.